0: Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Wyoming has spoken and we have made it clear. This primary election is over. Obviously, we're all very grateful to President Trump. Fighting to win this November. It will be time to vote. The Tax Reduction Act to double the size of the IRS. To go after Americans to audit them.
1: So that you can get the facts. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Laprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7.
0: All right, welcome in. This is one of those days we could go for uh, easily two hours. Uh, We'll get to uh, Harriet Hageman's uh, opening a can of butt whipping (laughs) on Liz Cheney. Liz, don't call me Abraham Lincoln Cheney. Or do call me Abraham Lincoln Cheney. Mm. First, though, um, our... State Treasurer Dale Falwell has been in the news this week. Uh, The Carolina Journal ran an article that came out today talking about the fact that our state treasurer is in agreement and is following and supports the state treasurer for the state of West Virginia, Riley Moore. Riley Moore has made a point Of taking a close look at what is called ESG standards. That stands for environmental, social, and governance. And he is making sure that when the state of West Virginia makes certain investments, that those investments aren't going into companies that are involved in social activism and, um, how do we put it, environmentalism that is far off... On the left wing of things. And of course, the state of West Virginia makes a huge amount of money in the fossil fuel in in, uh, industry with coal and uh, hires some 11,000 people, the coal industry does in the state of West Virginia. With us on the line right now is our North Carolina state treasurer, Dale Falwell. Dale, welcome in. Good to have you with us.
1: It's glad to be back with you, Tom, and the folks of the Greater Greenville area.
0: Well, we're all over eastern North Carolina, so it's more than just Greenville, but uh, thanks for that. Uh, t- tell us about your involvement, your uh, your following of uh, West Virginia Treasurer Riley Moore, and have you decided to take a close look at the investments, and, and can you, as the state treasurer, say, okay, you know what? there are certain there are certain uh, organizations out there that we could invest our money in their stocks and those sort of things uh, the the list uh, in the carolina journal includes uh, certain companies that might not want to be involved with blackrock wells fargo jp morgan morgan stanley goldman sachs uh, as you make investments and you obviously you're investing State money, uh, the the retirement plan for state workers, um, you're trying to get the best uh, return for those people. But how do you make a decision, okay, what is the best way to make money for the state employees and their retirement and at the same time not invest in companies that really would go against uh, the philosophy of uh, – A, Del Falwell, and B, just good economic sense. Uh, Now, obviously, we're not in the coal industry, but as uh, this article points out, um, the the success of the coal industry does have an effect on North Carolina.
1: Well, this is serious business, and as the keeper of North Carolina's public purse, uh, it's important for your listeners to know, especially those that teach, protect, and serve, my only loyalty is to them uh not to any social engineering or to any Wall Street firm. Uh and uh Treasure Moore from West Virginia and I there's no space between us on this. We have treasurers across the United States who specialize in different areas and this is his area especially just like the healthcare transparency is especially of mine and this is serious business. You know, your listeners all across eastern North Carolina don't wake up thinking about ESG. Uh, they do wake up and think about how are we going to get our country back to energy independence, how are we going to have safe streets and good governance at the state and local level. That's what ESG stands for Me stands for with me. Uh, we don't have any ESG policies in the state of North Carolina, but I will tell your listeners across eastern North Carolina this is a serious issue.
0: <clears throat>
1: when these people who don't actually own these stocks, but they have control of these stocks through these money management firms, are putting these policies in place, but it doesn't stop there. They're also putting these policies in place as it relates to the lending of money in this state. And I say that as the chair of the State Banking Commission of North Carolina. They're also having an impact on some of our local rural North Carolina communities. When they come in who are struggling just to get through the COVID or the last great financial crisis, and they ask them how many electric vehicles they have, and all they're trying to do is just pay right. their bills. And this just drives up the cost of living and doing business in eastern North Carolina. And that's when I'm going to continue to stand with Treasurer Moore and fight against it.
0: Well, I will say this, though. I, they, they might not wake up in the morning and, and think about the, the e, what ESG is and what it stands for. But I think there are a lot of our listeners that wake up in the morning and say to themselves, you know what? If we're going to stop this social activism, this environmentalism uh, activism, if we're going to stop it, we do need to hit them in the pocketbook. And I think that's exactly what uh, Treasurer Moore is talking about, and indirectly I think it's what you're talking about. If we're going to stop these, this, this leftist activism, this progressivism, we've got to hit them in the pocketbook. And my other question would be for you, uh, let's, let's say uh, uh, as you oversee the investments of the state – and you decide that you're going to buy um 10,000 shares of a particular company uh that that would be a lot of shares uh, and i don't know if if we have I, I don't know what what the investments are in but somebody gets to vote those shares at the stockholders meeting who gets to do that and obviously that's going to control the company
1: well who gets to do that currently is many of these index funds and Well, we're in the process. We had a long meeting with our investment management division yesterday. I'm the sole fiduciary of our $115 billion state pension plan. And uh, our meeting yesterday is we're going to extricate ourselves. They are no longer in North Carolina, especially at BlackRock, going to have control of these voting proxies.
0: So you can say we're going to vote ourselves. If if we own that stock, we're going to make sure somebody from our office is going to go in and cast the votes.
1: That's right, and uh, because our only loyalty and duty of care is to those that teach, protect, and serve, uh, not to anybody's social uh, issues. And uh, what I meant when I said what I said earlier, Tom, is that it's not that people don't think about these things. It's just that when they hear all these acronyms, it's just hard to figure right, right. out, you I know, understand. what's mm-hmm. truth and what's not. And, and but <clears> the bottom line is that anything that makes North Carolina and our citizens less energy independent. Uh, is not good for our citizens, especially the lower- and fixed-income people, some of whom live in eastern North Carolina. So this is a big deal. It affects banking. It impacts the investments of the state pension plan. And I believe, due to some research I've been doing since I met with the County Commissioner Association, uh, this Saturday in, in Concord, it's really affecting some of our small cities and towns as they go to the market and try to borrow money.
0: Well, what was the reaction when you told, well, I guess it was BlackRock, when you said, hey, you know what, you're not going to cast uh, our votes anymore. We're going to do it <clears throat> ourselves. What was their response?
1: Well, there's something about uh, when Larry Fink at BlackRock started down this uh, crusade, uh, he started losing money about the hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars a day, literally. And, you know, the, BlackRock is a publicly traded company itself. So some of the shareholders are saying, you know, what are you doing taking these initiatives? That's impacting the price of the BlackRock stock. See, BlackRock is a publicly traded company, right? And uh, so he had to back off that. And and plus, uh, just like you're a big fan of the free market, the free market is also dictating uh, that we have uh, what they call non-woke index funds that are being created where these types of shenanigans won't go on. So uh, I'm very appreciative of Treasurer Moore, and we have uh, treasurers out in, in uh, Colorado and, I mean, excuse me, in other parts of the West that are also uh, carrying the water on these important issues. And, you know, my job is to surround myself with people who are smarter than I am on certain uh, in certain areas of expertise, and that's what I'm doing with this uh, Treasure Moore and the State Financial Officers Association Foundation of the United States.
0: Sounds good to me.
2: Uh, Treasurer Falwell, this is Benny. Um currently do you know how many uh treasures uh around the country uh you know are, are, are you know running with you and uh Treasurer Moore on this issue and I mean 'cause I know safety is in numbers and, and I mean you talking about the, the people on this list, you know, top fifteen banks in in America and in BlackRock by some measures top investment company in the world. I mean how how many uh how many do you have that are thinking like you guys and, and can kinda maybe, you know, push your weight around a little bit?
1: Yeah, Well, uh, about half of the state treasurers, but it's very important for the, your listeners to know for example, my counterpart, Curtis Loftus in South Carolina, he doesn't control his pension plan at all. Hmm. He doesn't control his 401k plan at all. Uh, so when you see one treasurer's office, you've seen one treasurer's office. There's there's nothing quite as unique as the North Carolina treasurer's office by the, by the Constitution. I have 21 duties and responsibilities. We manage a quarter of a trillion dollars, Benny. That's 10 times the size of the state budget. So when we look at this, we're not we're looking at it in the investment portfolio, the pensions, the 401k plan, and we're also looking at it through the eyes of my role as the chair of the state banking commission and just a couple of banks that your listeners have heard of that come under the state banking commissioner, BB&T, Truist and First Citizens. So being the chair of the state banking commission is not a small thing.
0: When you ran for the state treasurer, how many years ago has it been now? That's about five or six, eight years ago? Eight six, years? Years. Six, six, six years. Six okay. years. Uh-huh. Did, uh-huh. You, did you ever imagine that part of your job was not only to invest the money well for a good return, but also to find out how, how leftist the organizations were that you'd have to be investing in?
1: Uh, I never imagined that. I never imagined how strong the healthcare cartel is in North Carolina. And I never imagined that we were going to have to manage one of the largest pools of capital in the world through the most volatile economic period of the modern era. And, uh, but, uh, you know, the, the blood that runs through me is Quaker and one of the spices of Quaker religion is to be fair and just. And so I get to skip to work every morning at 530 with the opportunity to be fair and just on this and any other issue that basisist and at the end of the day with everything going on denny and tom the citizens are 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 pretty simple they just want to be spoken to like adults and they want what they hear needs to make common sense and that's what we try to do out of the treasurer's office and people can learn more about all of this uh by going into our nctreasurer.com website uh and learn more about everything that's going on at the treasurer's office and we're going to be in Eastern North Carolina is talking about the weaponization of health care billing in the next few months, and be glad to talk to you about that as that develops.
2: We'll put it in
0: our tickler.
2: Uh, Treasurer Frawley, you brought up the state pension fund. And, of course, as you know and most people aware across the country, there are some states' pension plans are just flat-out broke. North Carolina's always had a pretty good reputation. But what's your take on, in, in the past, um, you know, there's been some question about wh- whether the uh, – you know the actual computations. If the investment returns were actually being met, to be able to to be able to provide the obligations in the future, what's your take on the pension fund and and what what's changed since you've been treasurer?
1: Well, with all the angst and anxiety, uh, your those in your community who teach, protect, and serve. Now we're talking about the deputies of Pitt County. We're talking about the all the state employees at the community college and school systems and the universities. Just as a, a few examples, uh, our pension plan is nearly eighty eight percent funded. Uh, I'm the first, only a second person in 61 years to actually lower the assumed rate of return because uh, previous treasurers have been told to be less optimistic because interest rates were at zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you going to earn 7% on your money when interest rates are at zero? Uh, so I've uh, successfully, by partnering with the General Assembly, the League, the County Commission Association, the School of Government, we've been able to lower the assumed rate of return down to 6.5%, which is kind of Herculean. Uh, so we're very, very proud of that. And secondly, as I said earlier, our pension plan is nearly 88% funded. The South Carolina pension plan is 62% funded. Uh, and uh, we do have a large unfunded health care liability, but uh, as far as the pension liability, uh, it's uh, me and their previous treasurers, we've never gambled or pretended to have a crystal ball regarding uh, these pension assets that so many that teach, protect, and serve rely on.
2: Uh, explain the, uh, to our listeners the unfunded health care liability, if you will.
1: Uh, it's uh, promises made and not funded. <laughs> so for 40 <laughs> five, 45, years, 45 years, promises were made to state employees to be eligible for lifetime health care after five years of service. Lifetime health care. Uh, and that promise was made, but no money was ever put aside for that. So that created a 32 billion, that's billion dollar unfunded healthcare liability, uh, which according to Pew Research a few years ago placed us right behind Illinois, Benny. That's the same Illinois that you talk of often as being upside down. Uh, so that's the unfunded liability that I inherited. Uh, we now are going to have our unfunded liability down to about 26 billion dollars, uh, but until we can actually bend the curve and actually lower health care costs, it's not going to change dramatically. And uh, that's why we're going to be having these forums down in eastern part of North Carolina to hear about people's own uh, experiences with rising health care costs and health care billing. So that's where the unfunded liability comes from, promises made but not funded.
0: Now, that that is not the, the current situation, though. People that are being hired now for the state don't have that same promise being given to them, do they?
1: Yes, but the tail T A I L on that is about thirty four years. Okay, it takes about thirty four years for that 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 to, change in that benefit time to actually work itself through expire. the actuarial system. Yeah, but, but,
0: but theoretically, I would assume it gets less and less each year.
1: Well, except healthcare costs are going up fifteen percent right. a year, right? And people <laughs> so, and people <laughs> are living longer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'll take hey, the, hey I'll, Benny, I'll take that I, back. I, <laughs> hey, Benny. I, I know we're running out of time, but I just want to tell you when I. Barely graduated from high school in 1977. We had 300 pensioners over the age of 9, 300. Last month, we had nearly 8,000. Wow.
0: Mm. People are living longer, aren't they?
1: Hey, real quickly. Yes. And, 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 and retiring earlier.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot longer. Real quickly, um, when you talk about health care, I saw that your office has filed a friend of the course brief uh, in Dr. J Singleton, who is the eye surgeon out of New challenging the state certificate of need restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to the North Carolina Supreme Court. When is that going to be heard, and do you think there's an op- uh, a realistic chance that the uh, Supreme Court would overturn North Carolina's current certificate of need laws?
1: Well, what I'll tell you is that the first letter of the, that sentence, certificate of need, is pronounced con. It is a. It is. See, you said my. You said my humor was well hidden, Thomas. People laughed already. Count us uh, funny, a, right? a, a, a con. It's a con on the people of this state. You know, the cartel controls the supply of this product through the certificate of need. They control the access to the healthcare product. They control the price of the product. They control whether they break your kneecaps and weaponize your carrot score if you don't pay for this product. And the certificate of need, the supply of health care, is the front end of that. And uh, the certificate of need, we're I think we're only one of 14 states that still has it. Every state used to have one. And we're only 14 states that used to have it, that still have it. And you're about to see a lot of reports on how the uh, certificate indeed and that process is costing the people, especially east of 95, especially east of 95, what it's doing to the cost of their health care.
0: What do you say to the argument that, well, you know, certain hospitals are obligated to meet uh, certain services that are very expensive, they've got indigent patients that come in, they've got to cover, and there are all kinds of obligations that we've got to cover. I mean, that that's part of the argument as to why they need to have, I guess, quote, a monopoly. And uh, how, how do you respond to that?
1: Well, the way I respond to it is that this all this has to be talked about in together. The cartelization of healthcare has resulted in these meg- multi-billion dollar corporations disguising themselves as nonprofits run by these multi-million dollar executives who are hell-bent on uh, in my opinion getting rid of rural healthcare. I I'm a strong believer and will do everything in my power to make sure that healthcare in rural North Carolina is independent, high quality, high access and profitable. That's what we need. We don't need rural North Carolina to have glorified emergency rooms where people have to take a 60, 80-mile ambulance ride or a helicopter ride to get the services they need. So uh, healthcare, independent, accessible, high-quality, low-cost healthcare is something that I'm a thousand percent in favor of and will work and partner with anybody who's interested in the same thing.
0: North Carolina State Treasurer Dale Falwell. Dale, thanks for joining us this afternoon, and uh, I'll get up with you and find out when you're coming back down to North Carolina, and we'll uh, put you on our schedule. Look forward to it.
1: Well, I'd love to do that, and uh, as I said earlier, people go to nctreasurer.com, and uh, be sure while you're there to go to nccash.com. There's $90 million sitting at the Treasurer's office, in your listenership belongs to your listeners.
0: There you go. So, hey, go go there. You might find a little uh, special goodie for uh, this uh, middle of August. Going on, go on an extra vacation. Who knows? <laughs> Dale, thanks so much. Thanks for all you do. Stay with us. Vinny, and I'll be right back.
1: This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7.
0: Welcome back in. Interesting conversation with um, Treasurer Falwell, and what's really interesting is the fact that he's what, what year when they when they offer when they start, first started offering pensions there was three hundred people over ninety and now there's eight thousand. Yeah,
2: three hundred over 90 ninety eight now eight thousand and and like I told you, uh, a family member of mine was a, you know a federal retiree and of course not a state retiree but same type of issue, and she worked for thirty years. Uh, and drew a pension for forty-seven, <laughs> and you know when these pensions were created, the life expectancy, just like Social yeah. Security, life expectancy were in early sixties, and now life expectancy is in the well up in the eighties, mid eighties, and uh, upper eighties for women. So, um,
0: well, there would be some who would say some conspiracy theorist who would say, "Gee, is that why we had COVID?" <laughs> I'm just saying.
2: I'm just saying. And, that, and I mean, that's exp- anyone that has to go out and buy their own insurance from age, uh, particularly age 55 to 65 to Medicare, Right. I mean, it's astronomical in oh, yeah. the premium. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. so that's, uh, when you make those promises and don't fund them, that's what happens.
0: You want to know how time flies. By the way, today is Baby Boomer Recognition Day. So uh, tip your hat to baby, baby boomers, which I'm one of them, 1954. But to talk about time flying. Twenty-four years ago was when Bill Clinton wagged his finger, his bent up finger. But
1: I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky.
0: I did smoke a cigar with her though. <laughs> yeah the definition of is uh do you remember where you were i remember i think i was sitting at home when i saw that video on the nightly news but
2: um i I remember i was in the uh
0: i i don't know where i was when he was under the oval desk with her but uh. (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) yeah i was in a bar in a hotel bar in chicago and you know it's kind of like a sports bar type scene you know with tvs everywhere and that uh when, it, when he came on, because it was like an afternoon, late yeah, afternoon, man, early evening. Yeah. I mean, it was silence in there. and Yeah, uh, I, I remember that. It
0: uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, didn't right. last
2: long for the truth to come out. It didn't take long.
0: You know, and, and people said then, and I think it really is true, that that one event really changed the narrative in our morals around the country, especially with young people. And I I Mm -hmm. really do. I think that that was a line of demarcation that shouldn't have been crossed. That was that that happened in the Oval Office. And according to the president, that's not sex. (laughs) Well, I don't think it would have changed the definition of sexual relations in my house. I didn't tell you that. uh, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Try to explain that to your wife. What did Hillary say? I mean, you know. I'm exhausted.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe she'd been a little more exhausted. Maybe uh, it wouldn't have been an issue. Anyway.
0: Uh, quick look at your other four cla- casts. A few clouds tonight, a low of 61. That sounds very pleasant. That's um, beautiful. Tomorrow, generally sunny skies with a few afternoon clouds, a high of 87. Tomorrow night, a possible rain shower low of 66. And then on Friday, a better chance of thunderstorms developing later in the day with a high of 82. Uh, Friday night, scattered thunderstorms. And then on Saturday... 50 percent chance of rain so uh mm. looks like a rainy weekend i will say though, we still need the uh, rain yeah
2: with well, these temperatures and humidity of 60 that's just oh mm, that's like fall like i for mean us. oh I love it. It, it
0: felt like fall out there today it was nice so liz cheney got a can i use the a word i won't we're, we're pg here liz cheney got a a butt whipping a butt kicking.
2: She got it handed to her, not like Jeffrey Tubin.
0: <laughs> the uh, listen I mean, we were talking before we went on the air. Generally speaking, these polls come out and when you have the actual election the difference between the candidates shrinks. This didn't shrink at all. This was a butt whipping. This was a thirty percent that she lost by. I mean it was not even close. And yeah, you know, I think her last
2: election, um, she won by about the same percentage maybe even a little bit more. So to have a uh, what seventy point turnaround from one yeah. election to the yes. next, yes, I mean wow. She
0: she won by seventy percent last time, and she lost by thirty percent this time. So
2: she won by seventy percent last time. Holy, uh,
0: she lost more than uh, she lost. Cheney lost by more than thirty-five points in the primary yesterday, which she previous and, and I'm sorry she the previous primary mm-hmm. she won by seventy percent. Wow, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, the winner was Harriet Hageman. Um Town Hall points out the fact that perhaps the 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 dumbest thing she said was last September, Trump came out and issued his complete and total endorsement in replacing the Democrats' number one provider of sound bites, Liz Cheney. He came out and said that last September. And then he said he came out and supported Harriet Hageman in the primary. Cheney apparently was unaware that Trump is still popular. I mean, I really do think in her naivety or stupidity, whatever you want to call it, that she actually thought that Donald Trump is done, that Mm -hmm. he's lost, he's finished, he's gone. And I can therefore... Dance on his grave? Nope. <laughs> nope. He's not.
2: And I, you know, I think, um, I, I think that sentiment's going to be around the country. You know, in, in every district that uh, I mean, they can see what this January sixth hearing nonsense is, yeah. and it, it's a kangaroo court. It's not really a a court at all. It's just a, a made for T V just to just to run Donald Trump in the ground, yep, just to, yep. but, and to take their eye off the ball of what really matters. And people in Wyoming don't care about that. And and Liz Cheney hadn't represented
0: Wyoming at all. In the she's last probably been more time in Wyoming in the last week than she has in, in her t- entire life.
2: Oh yeah, I mean she grew up in Virginia outside D.C. I think
0: she's born up in Wisconsin or something.
2: <clears throat> yeah, born in Wisconsin when her parents are in school. And I think you know he, uh, Dick Cheney. Um, you know, was in Congress for for years, yes. and and yeah. so she grew basically grew up in D.C. Well, listen, I guarantee
0: you, after January, you think she's going to move back to Wyoming?
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, she probably won't have any too friendly neighbors. I can tell you that. But, and, and Wyoming is a conservative state. I, I hadn't looked bingo. at it lately, but it's when I looked at it before. I mean, there was only two or three counties in the entire state that was a majority Democrat. I mean, it's like 70 percent registration for Republicans. Republicans. And it's only two or three counties that the Democrats Which was so ridiculous.
0: And when she said, well, I'm going to get all the Democrats to switch parties and vote for me. What good did that do you? So anyway, Trump came out and said complete and total endorsement in replacing the Democrats' number one provider of soundbites, Liz Cheney, to which she went off and fired off a, a tweet of her own saying, well, here's a soundbite for you. Bring it. Well, guess what? They brought it. <laughs> so um, – and, and but th- this is even more ridiculous. I mean, she's talking about running for president. Oh, yeah. How about the – Get uh, out
1: of here. Get out.
0: <clears throat> out, out. <laughs> how about it the
2: uh i guess you could call it concession speech yesterday well, what,
1: Just what, 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 kind of
2: made it, for tv
0: oh, it was it I was mean, made for tv the it, guy that the guys the producing the january 6th committee the guy from abc also went out there and produced that for her it, oh really yes okay it's but like, listen to what she says believe it or not liz cheney likened herself to abraham lincoln because he also lost elections
1: The great and original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln, was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. Lincoln ultimately prevailed, he saved our union, and he defined our obligation as Americans for all of history. Speaking at Gettysburg of the great task remaining before us, Lincoln said that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from this earth.
0: Liz, I'm afraid your political career has died in vain. <laughs> You're
2: done. I, I think the only politician in America that, lasts, that lacks self-awareness any more than her is probably Beto O'Rourke. Yeah. I mean, the show show. home
0: to mommy. (laughs) What's what's she going to run for? I mean, there's no way that she can run in Wyoming and ever win anything else. She's not going to win as a Republican. They don't have enough Democrats. She's not going to win as a Democrat. Now, if she wants to get back into politics, don't be surprised Mm -hmm. if she goes – because they live in Virginia – Mm-hmm. Don't be surprised if she decides. Well, I'm out of Wyoming. You guys didn't love me enough. I'm going to go ahead and register go get a, in Virginia, yeah. go get and a that'll blue be district. my residence. Yeah, go go get a, a blue, blue district, yeah. and then run again.
2: But you know, she's got like I think she said they had seven or eight million dollars of campaign money. Yeah, I think seven point five. So,
0: so yeah. it's a pretty good war check. I mean,
2: she can either spend it on one of her campaigns
0: or someone else's. I guess, as I understand it, but I. She, you you got to spend it on a campaign. You can get. I, I think the last when after I ran, I think the rules were because it used to be you could pocket it. You mm. can't do that anymore. But um, really, you, you could pocket it. You could pocket it. Oh yes. my goodness! Mm. Uh, I mean, that was years ago. Is that how
2: you treated? Is that how you created generational wealth back when you ran? Phil. For- <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they had changed the rules before I ever ran. But uh, now I think you can give it to charity. You can give it to <clears> another <throat> campaign, or you can use it for your own campaign for another mm-hmm. office. Fox News is reporting um, Kevin McCarthy's office brushed off a disparaging comment from uh, Liz Cheney. Today, Cheney spoke about McCarthy's leadership in the party early today, stating that he was not a wise choice to head the party moving forward. Harriet Hagerman easily defeated Cheney, as we talked about. Here's what she said. Quote, we need leaders who have reverence for our Constitution who are faithful to our constitution and who are going to do what is required to abide by our oath? Cheney said on NBC's Today Show. No matter whether or not it's politically convenient, Kevin McCarthy certainly does not fit that bill. Asked for a response, an aide to McCarthy pointed to Fox News, uh, to com- pointed Fox News rather to comments made by Cheney's father, Dick Cheney, when he was campaigning in 1976, when he said, "Quote." Principle is okay up to a certain point, but principle doesn't do you any good if you lose. (laughs) Guess what, Liz? You lost. Mm. But listen, this idea that she has principle, and this idea that she's following the Constitution, Liz Cheney is a willing and eager participant in this kangaroo court, this January 6th committee, and that she's lecturing us on the rest of us on principle. You know, and and she talks about following the constitution what about the 6th the 6th amendment mm. and then uh, granted i realize that this january 6th committee is not a court but they think they are and they keep saying over and over again that these charges are criminal charges. Well, if they're criminal charges, allow the judicial system to take, him, take Donald Trump to court on these issues and allow them to try it. You've tried to impeach him twice. That has failed. It is not your role to try this man in a criminal court. But if, if you are thinking that you are a criminal court... Follow the Constitution, the, the Sixth Amendment to the Constitution. In all <laughs> criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district. Oh, yeah, they're real impartial wherein the crime shall have been committed, which district has, uh, shall have been previously ascertained by law, and to be informed of the nature and the cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. None of that has been done. And then she gets up and lectures us about following the Constitution and having principle. It's unbelievable. Yeah, she'll probably run
2: for. Uh, she'll probably she'll probably run for the Republican primary, probably next next election for president. Because she really, I mean, you can see. I mean, she start comparing herself to Abe Lincoln. I mean, what do you expect? But she'll probably lose, and she'll sign a great big contract for on CNN to just go out and bash Republicans. Go. That's what go. it's all about. We'll be right back.
1: Shotgun with your five o'clock drive. Well, the drive home should be a delight. This is Tom lamprecht with more
0: news and views on Talk 963 and 1037. Welcome back in. So uh cousin Eddie Joe Biden signed his uh big uh inflation reduction act bill. Um and we we're just talking during the break. So Jill, they're on vacation. Jill tests <clears throat> positive for COVID. Joe's up there on stage, no mask, hacking up fur balls <laughs> and shaking everybody's hand. And and where's the mainstream media? I mean, you know, if if Donald Trump had a, a a rally or something, that's all you ever heard about was how this was a super spreader. Yeah, they
2: made a big deal about Trump coming out on his balcony. You know, not, you know, after he had COVID, yeah. he kind of kind of turned the corner and he <laughs> kind of made an appearance on his balcony, and they were making a big yeah. deal about
0: it. Yeah, unbelievable. So, in other races yesterday, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, um, she you know, – they've got a strange way they do it up in Alaska. You, you vote for first, second, third, and fourth or something?
2: Yeah, I think they've got the ranked choice voting exactly. where, where um, it's kind of like an average, basically, of sc- average score or something.
0: So, Murkowski makes it to the next round, as does the um, woman that uh, Donald Trump uh, endorsed. I think her name is Kelly – yeah, Kelly Tish Baca. Mm. These Alaska
2: names are tough.
0: And uh, <laughs> also, Sarah Palin will. Uh, she came in second, so she'll make it to the next round. You betcha. I, I think Sarah Palin. <laughs> um, well, it'd be interesting to see what she does. But Lisa Murkowski, I think she might be in trouble because there was eighteen people in that race. Yeah, she got uh, like one percentage point more. She got forty-two point seven percentage. And this Kelly Tishbaka got forty one point four, so basically a one percentage point difference, one point three difference between the two, and now it just comes down to the two of them. It's going to be really, it'd be, it'd be really nice. I don't know who, anything about Kelly Tishbaka other than that uh, Donald Trump endorsed her, but um, if we can get rid of Murkowski, or Mur- Murkowski, uh, Murkowski that, yeah. that would be that would be a good one. Also, Town Hall's reporting that. Um, Maggie Hansen, U.S. Senator from New Hampshire. Apparently, uh, she is in hot water. She's going to win her primary, but um, not too many people are too fond of her. Uh, the Granite State voters were asked whether Hansen, the state's former governor's done a good job, deserves to be reelected. Just 39% say they, they thought that Hansen should be given another six years. Uh, more voters, 53%, said it's time to give somebody else a chance. So Democrats are in trouble we got to take another time out. We uh, went along with, uh, I was going to say, Dr. Jerry Falwell, the Dale Falwell. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and
0: 103.7. Welcome back in. Have you heard about the company Boom Supersonic? They're getting ready to build a large manufacturing plant in In Greensboro, North Carolina, they're going to build a new version of the supersonic airplane. And they've gotten orders in. American Airlines announced yesterday that it's going to be purchasing 20 Boom Overture supersonic planes capable of flying from Miami, Florida, to London within five hours. Uh, United has already ordered 35 of them. Both those companies have uh, the possibility of ordering many, many more. Boom revealed earlier this year that it would build a plant in Greensboro, North Carolina, to handle the manufacturing of the Overture planes. a move that will add $32.3 billion to the state's economy over the next two decades. Mm. So that might cover a little bit of the, uh, the uh, unfunded uh, mandates. Sure, wish it had been in uh, eastern North Carolina, like
2: maybe at the Global
0: Transport. Yeah, that would have been yeah, but, uh, nice. Yeah, missed out again. Uh, Interesting story out of Town Hall, which I, you know, we only got a minute. Maybe we'll come back to the story tomorrow. But we hear story after story about how Planned Parenthood wants to put clinics into high schools, how there's all these stories about, uh, you know, uh, minors getting abortions without their parents' knowledge florida first district court of appeals this week ruled that a pregnant 16 year old cannot get an abortion because she is not sufficiently mature enough to end her pregnancy the 16 year old jane Doer, jane doe was appealing a ruling from circuit court judge jennifer uh Which well, on august the 10th the three judge panel sided with the judge Uh, Jane Doe sought to bypass Florida's parental consent law for women 18 and younger seeking an abortion in the state. She argued that she's unable to have this child for several reasons. Quote, the minor states that she is sufficiently mature to make the decision, saying she's not ready to have the baby. She doesn't have a job. She is still in school and the father is unable to assist her. The appeals court ruling stated it noted that Jane Doe is parentless and is living with a legal guardian. She is pursuing a GED in a program designed to quote, assist young women to have who have experienced trauma in their lives by providing educational support and counseling. Um, but basically, they've come out and said that we're going to dismiss her petition. the The Florida statutes say that the uh, in, anybody under eighteen. Cannot uh, have an abortion without um, parental consent, and uh, I, I I think this is a, this is a wise decision. Listen, now, now I don't want to sound callous to this girl. This girl has got a hard road to hoe, but uh, she can have the child. They can put up for abortion. I hope I hope many people come to her aid, which that does need to be done. Um, but. Um, I, Surprisingly, um, this this ruling came down. It, it's it's a rather pleasant surprise in my in my eyes.
2: Yeah, and Planned Parenthood is, you know, they claim that abortions is not a big part of their business, but they've spent a historic $50 million on midterm elections this midterm, according to to a
0: report. And I guarantee you, every dime went to someone that's going to support pro abortion laws. Absolutely. Our thanks again to Dale Falwell. Thank you for joining us. We'll do it again tomorrow, play a little political trivia. See you tomorrow, five. Bye bye, everybody. All right, all right, all
1: right.